Hi, this is Dr. Shanitra Cuthbertson, and this is the Amaze One Podcast. This podcast aims to strengthen your faith and edify your soul. Walk with us as we walk with the one on the Amaze Road. Enjoy this week's message. So we are in, um, we're just, we're going to do two sermons in this series, and it's called Emmanuel, and um, today we're going to spend some time with Joseph, and um, this is what the Spirit brought me to, and it's just interesting, because I don't think I've ever tried to spend time in the Bible. That's what I say when I'm reading different people, like I'm spending time with them. Never spent time with Joseph, um, but we're going to spend some time with Joseph this morning as we think about the coming of the birth of our Savior. And so the title of this sermon is um, Joseph, Eternal Work, Temporal Contribution, and that'll make sense at the end. If I do my job. Amen. Amen. So we can stay right there for a second because first thing you say, eternal work, that makes sense. Eternal work, that sounds like something God is doing, right? But when you say temporal contribution, and that's like, well, I mean, you trying to throw them SAT words up in there. What, what is that? Temporal ain't nothing but time. Temporal contribution. The work of God is eternal. God made time. He don't live in time. He made time. The Bible says he's everlasting to everlasting. So before there was ever a sun and a moon to make a complete day, he was already. He was already before there was what we call chronos, before there was time to be collected or a noon and an evening and a morning. Jesus always, the Father always, the Spirit always was but he created time for us and the way we understand times in terms of age really came after the fall because they were not supposed to die but after that the the word was that if you eat of this you shall die and so that's where we the death the 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 curse of death comes in so from now on every man and woman has a time and you have a time in your generation so we all are different ages but we're all a part of the same generation because we are what you call contemporaries we are living at the same time and we all have a time and and, and each generation has a thing that it is to do so your days are numbered but though your days are numbered you can take this temporal life which means temporary And you can make a contribution or a participation in the eternal work that God is doing. And I think that's what we're supposed to do. So you're telling me and what I'm telling y'all, the Holy Spirit is telling me, is that you can take this life that you have and do something in this life that's going to participate in the eternal work that God is doing. Ain't that good? He's like, well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to show you. But before we do that, we got to go into Matthew chapter 1, which is the genealogy. And I don't know if y'all ever read Matthew chapter 1. Have y'all tried to read that? This, uh, this chapter has discouraged many Bible readings. Because people was like, you know what, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to start reading my Bible. And they say, okay, we'll start with the New Testament. Because the Old Testament is hard. And you open up the New Testament and start talking about such and such begat, such and such begat, such and such. And names you can't say. People like, you know what, I tried. That was all right. I'm done. We're going to work with this. We're going to work with this lineage today. 
And I'm going to stop along the way. Because what we're going to do is we're going to move up to the point where we meet a man named Joseph. And we're going to watch through time how he came through generations and get to the point where God has birthed him and called him to take that temporary life and add to something that is eternal. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 1. This is the record of the, y'all going to bear with me too with these names. We're going to do it. This is the record of the ancestors of Jesus, the Messiah, a descendant of David, David and Abraham. And first off right there, because I got to do a little bit of teaching. Why did he start there? Why is he talking about David and Abraham? Because there's two covenants that God made that he's going to honor. He told Abraham in Genesis, he said, all nations will be blessed through you. And he told David, he said that a king is going to be on your throne forever. So Jesus automatically is coming in and he's fulfilling the promises and prophecies of God. Let me teach a little bit more. The, the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, was written for a Jewish audience. And we're just going to make sense in just a little bit. And so everything he's saying, a Jewish audience is going to understand. It's going to make sense to them. Because otherwise, if you go to a Gentile audience, they could care less about this Jewish lineage. And they don't care who came, who begat, who doesn't got nothing to do with them. But if you're a Jewish hearer, you understand the importance to the culture of keeping a lineage and knowing where people were coming from because your honor or your tragedy typically came from your father. And Joseph is going to show us that in just a second. So Abraham was the father of Isaac. And Isaac was the father of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of Judah and his brother Abraham. Because I got to stop and give some homage to each one of these people. The father of faith left his father's house on the word. God said, go into a country, I'm going to show you. He didn't even tell him where he was going. He just told him to go. And Abraham got his stuff, and he went, not even knowing he was going. He went fully trusting God. This is the man who was ready to offer up the promised son that God gave him. He was going to offer him back up to God as a sacrifice. But he's also the man that lied on a few occasions, told some people Sarah was his sister, and he was lying. He's also the man that tried to bring about the will of God. He tried to bring about an heir outside the will of God, and he ended up with Ishmael. He is the father of Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. If you go back and look at these three major world religions, they all point back to Abraham. They all say Abraham is their father. This man was important, and he is in this lineage that we are moving through till we get to the man Joseph. And Isaac, his son, the promised one, the father of Jacob, Isaac is the promised child. And Isaac lays down while Abraham attempts to offer him up because he is not a child during that time. So it is something special that although Abraham was going to offer his son up to God, the fact that the son was willing to lay down was something. Jacob was the father of Judah. And we know Jacob, he's a hill catcher. Him and his mama was scheming, and he stole his brother's birthright. I want y'all to get a picture of this family. See, I want y'all, why is she going through all this? Because I want y'all to see the family picture that Jesus is coming from. Um, sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not. So Jake, Jacob is a schemer. Him and his mama schemed together and lied to his daddy on his deathbed and stole his brother's birthright. But he's also the man that wrestled with an angel. He's also the man that God changed his name, and he said, your name going to be Israel now. And so we know them as the children of Israel. 
That's where that come from. And Israel had a, a bunch of sons. And the fourth son he had, his name was Judah. His name means praise. And it's where we get the saying that Jesus was the lion of the tribe of Judah. It's this man. But Judah was also, you know, he had some issues too. He's just going through a little bit of Jesus, family dysfunction, and some of the good stuff. Judah had a daughter-in-law named Tamar. And um, Tamar's husband died, his son. And the custom was that you give your another son to her so she can have an heir for him. And he did that. That didn't something happen with that, that didn't work out. So then he has a little son that's supposed to be raised up to give to her, but he doesn't. He reneges on her. And Tamar get mad. And Tamar starts scheming. And Tamar noted this Judah who name means praise and who has a great work to do and he's gonna have a tribe to which the Savior is gonna come out of. But this Judah got um this Judah messed with prostitutes. And it had to be known. So she dressed up like a prostitute. Yeah, this is your Bible. I'm in there. She dressed up like a prostitute and went and stood on the square where the prostitute stand, you know. And I don't know how she got him, but she got him. And he didn't know it was her. And he gave her some of his garments as like collateral, you know, that he was going to bring her some money back. And so she gets pregnant. And when she gets pregnant, you know, he tried to play her and, and make her look bad. And she pulled out that stuff. And she said, this stuff I got is this the man, this the baby daddy. This is the father, whoever stuff this is. And he was like, oh, Jesus. He didn't say Jesus, but he's like, oh, God, you know. So Judah has kids with his son's wife, and that's incest. And he is posing and exposed, and it's all in the line. And Judah, Judah was the, was the father of Perez and Zerah, who was the mother, whose mother was Tamar. Perez was the father of Hezron, and Hezron was the father of Ram. We know that the Bible, the writers are inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the author of Matthew, he is doing some stuff that don't make sense. The reason why they are listing all these men, because in Jewish culture, your lineage came through the father. And in many times when you list in the genealogies, you don't even put women in there. They only have, you can totally exclude them, even though they birthed everybody, exclude them. But the writer of Matthew knows, I think, that he is writing something inspired. And this thing is going to be read down through the ages, even today on December, whatever this is, in 2019. So he includes some stuff that ain't normal for their custom. He includes some stuff like whose mother was Tamar. Now why he add that mess in there? Why he put that mess in the genealogy? He could have left that out. Her mother, you ain't not, and then he put both sons, let you know he had, you know, I think she had twins, and they, he just had to let them know. But Perez is the only one that matters. Go forward. And Perez is the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon, and Nashon was the father of Salmon. I thought about Deshaun when I read that. Don't let anybody tell you your name, ghetto. The nation in the Bible. All right. Simon was the father of Boaz. Oh, we know Boaz. Whose mother was Rahab. And Boaz was the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. And Obed was the father of Jesse. Stay right there for a second. We're just lining up Jesus. This is family history, the lineage that's coming through Joseph. Again, the writer of Matthew is including another woman. 
And who does he include? Y'all know Rahab. The lady of the nights. I don't think she was a lady. I think she was the mistress. I think she was getting the money. I think she was running the house. Um, she was a prostitute that, that hid the spies of Israel. And they promised her. They said, um, if you do this, put the scarlet cord out your, your window. We're going to hold you. going to save you and your household. And she confesses that she knows that their God is the God. And somewhere along the line, Rahab don't came all the way through to the point where she's marrying somebody in this Jewish lineage. She's in the family now. She's been added to the lineage of the Savior, former prostitute. And the writer of Matthew is adding her. Why is he adding her? Because I think God trying to speak something through this lineage more than what was the custom. And Boaz was the father of Obed. And Obed, so we got another woman in here whose mother was Ruth. (coughs) Ruth is a Moabite. They didn't like Moabites. Matter of fact, in Deuteronomy, the Bible says no Ammonite or Moabite or any of their descendants may enter into the assembly of the Lord. Because back they had some history where they denied them help and the Moabites act crazy and they were, I mean, they just, they just, they weren't a good, you know, it just wasn't a good group of people. And they looked at them almost like they were a racial slur. You know, sometimes people say white trash or whatever, stuff like that, hood, rat, y'all know any more names y'all could think of, but they looked at them like that and, and, and they didn't deal with them. And they got scripture to say that don't deal with them. But somehow Ruth and Naomi get back to Bethlehem. And she pledges her life to Naomi and to Naomi's God. And she marries Boaz. So now a Moabite, a prostitute, and I'm not quite sure what to call Tamar. Um, I'm not, she was scheming, a schemer. Shiesty, that's it, that's good. She wasn't the only shiesty one, Judah shiesty too though, but these people have made it into this lineage and Obed has Jesse and we know Jesse because Jesse is David's father. Jesse has a lot of sons but Jesse is guilty of downing his own son. Jesse has one of the who would be one of the greatest kings in Israel in his house and he don't see nothing in this boy. At some point when a child is going to be great or different things you'll be like man I saw it. I saw when they was little. Me and Sean was talking about you know, Michael Jackson singing, I want you back at like five. And he was saying like he had a real relationship. He had like, he was really talented. He could convey the message. And it was, was it nothing about David, Jesse, that, that like, man, he's special. No. So Jesse looked over his own son. He had a son that would be a man after God's own heart, the apple of God's eye. But he couldn't even recognize it in his own son. So much so that when the prophet Samuel came, Jesse kept David out in the sheep. And when the, the oil wouldn't fall on any of the other sons, he said, do you have another one? He's like, oh, yeah, I do. Uh, David out there. And they bring David in. And we know the oil pours, and he's anointed a king at a very young age. But he was first looked over by, by Jesse. Go forward. And Jesse was the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Here we go again, writer of Matthew. 
Why you adding this? This is like if your family had this, but your family was like riding their lineage. You are not going to put everybody's mess in there. She had two baby daddies, and this one had an abortion. And you're not putting all that mess for public consumption, but for some odd reason, the writer of Matthew is doing so. And so what does he say? Solomon, whose mother was Bathsheba, the widow of Uriah. Because Solomon, as great as David was, and he was great. He has a cold covenant. They call Jesus the son of David. As great as David was, Solomon came from a woman who was married. And David saw her bathing one day, and he said he would like to have her. And so he told his people, go get her. And when the king called for you, you can't. If Trump called for y'all, y'all, I mean, really, if he called for y'all, you could try to run. But the truth of the matter is there's a certain level of power, particularly with kingship, that if they call for you, you have to come. And so this is not no affair. I hate when people preach it like that. This is this is abuse of power. This is almost a form of rape. But he couldn't just have her because she was married and he got her pregnant and he tried to scheme on it and make it look like it was a dude, son. And he was faithful to David. He said, I'm not going to sleep with my wife while my men out in war. He slept outside the door. David sent him to the front line of the military to be killed. Then he married her. He tried to, you know, get back right, and he married her. And they have Solomon, who is going to be king. And so Solomon, he's a great king. We know him. He's considered the wisest in the world. He gives us Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Song of Songs. Solomon got a woman problem. He has a thousand wives, and he worships other gods. And so all this stuff, like, why is all this in the Bible? Solomon was the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam is the last king that's united. We're going through this. I'm almost done. Um, he's the last king of the United Kingdom. After this, the whole kingdom going to split, and you're going to have two kings from now on. And you're going to have the north, which is Israel, and the south, which is Judah. And he's going to split the kingdom because he's young and he's foolish, and he don't want to listen to no advisors. He calls it split of God's people. Oh, Rehoboam was the father of Abijah. Abijah was, I got it, was the father of Asa, and we know Asa. Asa was a great king, but at the end of his life, he refused to turn to God. He had an ailment, and he refused to turn to God. Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat was the father of Jerom. Jerom was the father of Uzziah. Uzziah was the father of Jotham. Jotham was the father of Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah is a great king. Ahaz is a terrible king. Hezekiah was the father of Manasseh. Manasseh was the father of Amnon. Amnon was the father of Josiah. Josiah is a wonderful king who brings the people back into alignment and worship with God. But he's the father of Jehoah, uh, born to the time of exile in Babylon. After the Babylonian exile, Jehoiakim was the father of Shittial, and Shittial was the father of Zerubbabel, who was also going to be great in bringing the people back to worship. Abihud, Zerubbabel was the father of Abihud, Abihud was the father of Eliakim, Eliakim was the father of Azar, Azar was the father of Zodok or Zadok, and Zadok was the father of Achim, and Achim was the father of Eliud, Eliud was the father of Eleazar, Eleazar was the father of Matthian, and Matthian was the father of Jacob, Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, gave, um, of Mary, Mary gave birth to Jesus who was called the Messiah. Whew. That was the lineage of Jesus. There's a lot of stuff in there. A little bit of everything. Drama, murder, incest, prostitution, disobedience, arrogance, foolishness, idolatry. 
hypocrisy, everything. This is the family dysfunction coming down through the lines that Jesus comes from. But I think it's a reason why God, one, let it be, and two, allowed the writer to write it. Because I think he's ultimately going to show you, he's showing you humanity. It's some great people in there, and there's some great people in there who messed up greatly. There are some people in there that were just totally bad. But what you do see amongst all those generations is you saw people who had temporal time. They had temporary time, and they did something with it, or they did not. They did something to add to the eternal work of God, or they did not. And we can see that down through the generations. And down through the generations, now we have come to one named Joseph. Go to verse 7. So the Bible said all those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, from David to the Babylonian exile, and from 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is Jesus' legal bloodline because he has to have a legal bloodline. So technically, because somebody might, if you're really thinking in your mind, you're like, why do all this matter? Because Joseph ain't his real daddy anyway. Y'all ain't think that? I'm going to tell you about the work of Joseph. Jesus has to have a legal bloodline. So even if a child was adopted at this time, they would still take on the lineage of the father. And, Dave, and Jesus has to be connected to David, even though he also is connected to David through Mary, because the Bible prophesied that there would be one that would not leave a throne from the kingdom, from David. That's how he's a lion of the tribe of Judah. So Joseph is his legal father, and therefore Joseph, he takes on his legal lineage. What he does not take on is Joseph's bloodline. That's a whole nother situation. Because the blood of Jesus is pure. And the bloodline of Joseph, when I went to Jehoiachin, he's cursed. And so the bloodline of Joseph is actually cursed. But Jesus don't share his bloodline. He just shares his legal line. And I just thought that was so good. I was like, his blood is like, man, he really is God with us. So in this time, they live in what's called a patriarchal society. What that means is that the power, the honor, the authority, the recognition, and the voice were primarily given to men. As a matter of fact, that's why it's irregular for women to even be in this genealogy. So now we got to lean on Joseph. We got to lean on Joseph because we're going to lean on his lineage, his line, and we're going to lean on his name because in their society, Mary can't do that by herself. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged, and we've talked about that before. They were betrothed, and that's a little bit different than the way we understand engagement. The way in this particular time engagement went is that betrothed is like a step between marriage, marriage, and and not being or just being in a relationship. And so if you were betrothed, you still had legal documentation on you. So you can't just leave somebody you betrothed to. You're going to have to go get a statement or a written something of a divorce. You're going to have to go get some paperwork to let them go. But you're not married yet in the sense that you have not consummated the marriage. And so that's where Mary and Joseph was, and they are preparing to get married. And this is probably an arranged marriage. And so Joseph, who the Bible we will see from his character, is a good man. And he's ready to get married. He is prepared to get married. And he's done everything he needs to do up until this point. And so Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. I'm going to get to that Holy Spirit part. But I want to walk with Joseph for a little bit. 
this is a man of God. We're going to see Joseph. If you go back and look in the scholarship, Joseph adheres to the law. Joseph is a, a good man. He's a faithful man, not in the sense of relationship, but to God. He's faithful to God. And Joseph is ready to get married. And one thing we, th- we read about it at this time, and Mary said, be it unto me. And Mary received this thing from, jo- from God. But what the Bible does not tell us is that I don't think Mary said nothing to Joseph. I think she just started getting bigger. <laughs> and I know he was like, hmm, you know, maybe she's eating some more than lentils or something. I don't know. Then after a while, it gets to the point where it's, it has to show. Ain't no pregnancy test. This girl is pregnant. This girl is pregnant. Man of God, he loves her. She's pregnant. And it ain't mine because I'm not out here sinning. Mary, dang. How did you do that? What did you do? We supposed to be getting married. I'm faithful. I've got everything ready. I'm a money ready. I got all this stuff. Like, how did this happen? And it says that while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit, though. Go for it. But there ain't no way to explain that. I'm going to tell you what, this ain't never happened before. It ain't never happened again. All Joseph knows she's pregnant. It ain't his. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, it says he was a righteous man. He knew what the law said. He knew what would happen. He knew, like, first of all, I ain't going to make it look like I was out here. Because I wasn't. And that's not my baby. But he was a righteous man. And he cared for her. And he didn't want to disgrace her. Even though she probably done broke his heart completely. Sitting somewhere crying. Thought he was getting married. She done broke his heart completely. But he said, I'm, I, I can't just, I won't do that. I won't, dis- I won't marry her. But uh, I'm not going to disgrace her publicly. Because, you know, Nazareth is a small town. We're talking about a couple hundred people. So everybody was getting ready for the wedding. Everybody knew. Everybody probably has known a long time because it probably was an arranged marriage. Joseph said, I'm not going to shame her. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Some versions say he decided to send her away. Go for it. And I can't imagine the, you know, the Mary just kind of being like, how in the world am I going to tell him this? But as he considered this, and we don't know how long he considered this, because a matter of fact, some scholars say, if y'all remember, Mary go see, conveniently go see her cousin Elizabeth. Soon as she get pregnant, or right after she go see her cousin Elizabeth, and she stay with Elizabeth for three months. And Elizabeth is six months pregnant when she gets there. She stays three months, and some people think she stayed through the birth of John the Baptist. But during that time, obviously, she's away from Joseph and they have time to really think this thing through. And many people think this is when this happened and he's considering it. And I I just want to, you want to slow the Bible down and really try to feel what's going on so you can really get what God is doing out of it. And it says that he considered this. I'm sure he sat many days and was like, I don't even know where to go from here. Do I try to marry somebody else? Do I not think about her? Do I, what I mean, what is she going to do anyway? Like, just consider this. And it says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream because sometimes your mind be so jacked up. Sometimes people are gifted and God talks to them in dreams, but sometimes your mind's so jacked up, God can't get nothing to you till you lay down and sleep. 
And so he's in a dream, and Joseph, the son of David, the angel said, he said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. He's like, boy, that's your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So the angel of God is telling Joseph this. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the whole point today is to talk about this temporal life and this eternal contribution, or temporal contribution to this eternal work. And so Joseph has just been given an assignment now. So although he thought his heart was broke because Mary had messed up, it's all in the plan of God. Now he has an assignment, and the angel tells him, no, you marry her. Because I got a work for you. There is a contribution to the eternal work of God that you're going to make, Joseph. And I need you. I need your line. I need your name. I need your protection. I need your provision. And you're going to do all this for God. You are literally going to have God in your midst. And you are going to name him. See, we said the name above all names. The, The angel gave the name to Mary, but the angel had to give in their culture. He had to give the name to Joseph. Because Joseph is going to name him. John the Baptist, his daddy couldn't speak. Y'all know the story. And he said his name is John. And the people told his mama, nah, his name going to be Zachariah. And his mama said, no, his name is John. They say, forget what you talking about, Zachariah. What his name going to be? And he couldn't talk. And he wrote down John. They were like, what? Nobody in your family named John? Because the father has the authority to put the name down. So Joseph has been invited into this eternal work of God. And Joseph, although you are human, you're going to put the name on God. His name is Jesus. So when they ask his name, Joseph, you the man, you are the husband, you're going to say his name is Jesus. That name by which men must be saved, that name that above all all names, Joseph going to put that on him. And he has to. Because he's going to save his people from their sins. And this is what he's telling them. He's giving him insight. He said, all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophets. Joseph, you are stepping into an eternal work. And everything that's happening, this virgin birth and all this stuff that don't make no sense to you, is happening because it is fulfilling the prophecy and plan of God. And the prophecy said, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. I told you he was already faithful. He was already a man of God. And even though God spoke to him in a dream, because God speaks to all of us all the time, Joseph did not have to get up and be obedient. But he did. And he took Mary as his wife, knowing, knowing that the assumption would be that y'all ain't right. Matter of fact, when Jesus get older, it's some people talking to him, and they say something like, we wasn't born of fornication, and they're trying to throw a jab because for the rest of Jesus' life, this story is going to follow that his mama, you know, got pregnant before it was time. And Joseph is willing to take on all of this, and he does, and he has to have courage to do it. Because Joseph now is the provider. Joseph is the protector. Joseph is, is, Joseph is everything. Joseph's going to have to work, walk with her through this pregnancy. Joseph got to walk while she sit. Joseph got to make provisions and protections. And it's going to be people coming after this baby. 
and he's going to be the man to handle it. It says, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Oh, yeah, and by the way, Joseph, yeah, you marry her. Don't touch her, though. Like she's pregnant with God. Don't you touch her till this time. And so Joseph has all this responsibility on him, and I never stopped and thought about how much he contributed to the work in the life of Jesus. And the Bible, many scholars think that Joseph died somewhere along the line because in that time it would have been custom for him to be older than Mary. And we don't know where Joseph is during the crucifixion. Mary right there. We don't know where he at. We don't know where Joseph is when they came and tried to get Jesus to stop from preaching because his family thought he was going crazy. Don't know where Joseph at. Mary was there. His brothers were there. Don't know where he at. We don't know where Joseph was or if he's dead or not. We think he is when they're in the upper room. Because you remember when the Holy Spirit comes, Mary's in the upper room with them. We don't know where he at. He might have passed. We don't know. What we do know is that he took his temporary life in the part that we can see. And he participated in eternal work. And he used his life to work for God. And Joseph did it well. His lineage Jesus' lineage is because of Joseph, his legal lineage. That name put on him that had to be put on him by a man was because of Joseph. When they were traveling through, they went through dangerous places where there were robbers, bandits, and even later on there's going to be Herod, and Mary is protected because of Joseph. Mary is financially supported. This is a young woman by Joseph. Jesus eats. The bread of life eat bread when he's a child off Joseph bread. That was a pun. Y'all will get that later. <laughs> Jesus, we call him a carpenter because Joseph practiced the craft of carpentry. All this stuff this man did. Joseph was a man, but he carried our Savior. Literally, financially, and as a parent, he was a man, but he carried our Savior, and he had to hold this baby, and I said it last week, he holding a baby that's holding the universe together. It don't even make sense. I'm sitting here holding my God, and I am tasked to take care of my God, and I have to protect my God, and I got to protect her too, and I got to make sure they're good. I got to make sure they're comfortable, because when they get to the manger, it's not that Joseph ain't had no money. There was no room in the end. You can't go, I heard TDJ say, you can't go to the inn trying to get a free room. There was no room in the inn. Joseph was prepared. And what he do, he made do with it. And he went somewhere else to deliver this baby. And he stands up. And he moves. And he adds to this eternal work. And I, we, I've never seen Joseph highlighted at Christmas. But without this man, this work ain't quite as smooth. Mary needs him. Jesus needs him, and he does well. He could have ran in the beginning, but he didn't. His temporary life, he used it. And even though we don't see it in the rest of the New Testament, the stuff he did use his time to do adds to an eternal work that God has done. What is the point of all this? I said all this history lesson. All I'm saying is, through this, just like Joseph and his lineage and everybody we named, you have been given a time. You got a time. Your days are numbered. We don't know the number. We might get to 100, 
We might only get to 55. We don't know. We might not make it to see 30. You don't know if you're not 30, of course. But what we do know is that our days are numbered and we got temporary time to participate in an eternal work. Everybody do. God has put something in you the same way he put something in Joseph and he is wanting to pull it out of you so that you can add to what God is doing. There is a gift that you have that you could give and it would add to somebody's life. I was thinking about I was thinking about my family. I was thinking about different things, and I was like, God, you know, I was just thanking God because I was like, man, like, like I decided to follow you, right? Or you came and got me. That's more accurate. And be- because I've just been trying to follow you, follow you, follow you, follow you, follow you, not doing it perfectly, but trying to follow, 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 follow. Because I'm trying to follow, I've been able to add to an eternal work. If I've ever said anything in here, that brought you comfort by the gospel, that ain't no account to me, but that is an addition to an eternal work. If I have said anything in here that pushes you on to eternity with Jesus, then God has allowed me to use my space to push into eternity. And you ain't got to be a preacher to do that. But he does want to use your time, and he wants to use it for good. We see from Joseph Lyon that there's some people that, you know, they had time. That's all they had. <laughs> That's all they did. They just had time. And there was other people that they did great, like David, messed up greatly, but stayed great too. And so that's the idea today because, no, Jesus did not have Joseph's bloodline. He had his lineage. But there's a difference with us when we start talking about the bloodline. We do. We do have his bloodline, and it is good. And it is overcoming. The Bible says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This bloodline we have access to ain't quite like Joseph's. This bloodline is powerful. This bloodline will break stuff. This bloodline will make stuff. This bloodline is going to walk right on into eternity with our Father, with our Savior, with the Holy Spirit. So that's What I wanted to share this morning, a lot of teaching, but the goal that I wanted us to take home is that we got temporary time. We don't know how long or where or who. We got temporary time, but we could take this temporary time and participate in an eternal work of God, which is what he wants us to do. How? You need to pray to God. God, how can I use this life to contribute to what you want me to do? that's why I'm here. I ain't here for nothing else other than that. Amen? Amen. God, we bless you for Joseph. A temporary life that shows up in just a few verses in the Bible. But you used him greatly, God. And without him, Jesus is not protected from Herod. Without him, there is no manger to be found. Without him, we don't know where Mary would be sitting alone, God, without him. We don't get to say that our Savior is a carpenter. God, without we don't even get to see this life of our Lord in the way that we know it. We thank you for Joseph and the work that he did. We pray for ourselves. Our days are limited. We're about to get into a new year, but our days are still limited. We don't know. Our hope would be 
that we would give this life in such a way that we add something into eternity. We participate into eternal things with a temporal life. God, we ask that you would help us do this because that's the only way they'll ever get done. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this podcast, subscribe and share. We would like to take this moment to thank our mission partners for your continued support of the Emmaus Ministries. If you would like to become a partner of Emmaus Ministries, visit us at www.emmaus1.org. God bless, and we'll see you next week on the Emmaus Road.